This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Ishmael Martinez with Zebra Cleaning. How's it going, Ishmael? Good, good. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Um, Take a few minutes before we dive into the business and give us a quick background on your life. Awesome. Well, so, uh, born and raised in Mexico, northern Mexico, uh, my whole life living pretty much in the same town, town that is about, uh, gosh, 40, 50,000 people used to about the same thing. It's a very highly agricultural uh, area, a lot of apples and a lot of peaches. Uh, I grew up in a home with uh, my, both of my parents are teachers, so I grew up knowing and understanding the importance of education and knowing that at some point I was going to attend school and getting a degree is important and then get a job and and that's about it, right? That's life. So definitely not have any entrepreneurs in my family and mm-hmm. not any of uh, entrepreneurial direction growing up. So. Uh, back in 2008, when I came to America, I did uh, a couple years of service for my church, and then that's where I learned English, where I got very used to the uh, the American way of living, and then I enrolled in university here in in, uh, in the U.S. So after I completed my education here, I just decided to stay. Um, I spent about uh, almost 10 years working for a pest control company where I did mostly uh, door-to-door sales okay. and uh, door-to-door uh, management. I got to a point from where I was a sales rep to an assistant manager, manager. Then I became a partner with them over to their Seattle market. Uh-huh. So that was pretty much my first interaction with uh, owning a business and mm-hmm. being a part of it. I was a partner with them for about two years and then I decided to part ways. Uh, we relocated me and my wife here to Arizona and then I got the crazy bug to start my own business, and I decided to go after the cleaning industry. So, yeah, we started that. Uh, we opened doors for our business uh, in October of 2019. So we've been in business for about a year, year and a half. Okay. Uh, but yeah, lots of learning, lots of uh, yeah. That's pretty much uh, in a nutshell, kind of my background. Yeah. You know. Cool. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um, so when you came back to the states did you go to school when you got here did you i did i hear you say that yeah so i i, I came pretty much uh after i concluded uh, that uh, community church service that uh-huh. i did i i relocated to the u.s i started school in southeastern arizona at eac thatcher yeah, okay um so i did my my uh generals there for two years and once again when i was in college my my goal was to go get me a degree and hopefully find me a a white collar job okay. where I can wear a, a shirt, a tie, and a suit every single day and have a desk <laughs> and nine to five, right? Right. That's what uh, I was wondering if, if yeah. That so that was, that was plan. the plan initially, yeah, right? The mindset. 
Correct. And, and I was super excited, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think I always try my very best to excel in school, so I did really well. I actually was lucky enough to have all of my college education paid for through scholarships uh, because I, I did so well. And once again, if, if you trace back my, my early years in life, both of my parents, one of them, uh, my mom is a, an engineer who has been teaching at a university for 30 years. Right, so I, I was I was raised uh, respecting and loving and being excited about college. So yeah, when I came to the U.S., I, I enrolled in, in in business school, and yeah, that was pretty much it. After I, I concluded uh, my two year college here in in Arizona, I transferred to Idaho. So I went to a small college there in southeastern Idaho, BYU Idaho, and then I finished. I actually ended up with two degrees there. I did one in marketing and business, and then another one in economics. Okay. Uh, but then as soon as I graduated, I immediately regretted <laughs> spending so much time and effort um, into college because I, I, I realized that I, I just, I wanted to be in business. I wanted to have my own business. Yeah. And, and although school was really good for me, I think most of my entrepreneurial um, knowledge and experience, I got it just from networking and, and actually getting my hands dirty and, and mm-hmm. doing the work. So, yeah. yeah. So, so with both parents being hyper-focused on education and you growing up with that mindset of the importance of getting a college education. Where were the entrepreneurial seeds originally planted? You said you didn't have any entrepreneurial background really in your family. So where were those seeds originally planted? And talk to us about how they were nurtured and grew into you eventually coming to the point where like, I want my own business. For sure. And I think, I I like what you said, right? You put it as, uh, where did that seed started, right? Because it was not overnight. I wish it would have been overnight, right? (laughs) But, um, one of the first families that I met when I came to the U.S., a family that I will forever be grateful for, uh, the Funk family. Some of them are here in Arizona, some of them are in Utah, but um, I had a couple of very interesting moments. Uh, they hosted me for about six months. When I moved here, I lived with them, and they were gracious enough to give me a place to live and, and food to eat every single day. Uh, but the most important piece of it is that the father of the family, Benjamin, Ben, um, one day he took me out golfing. And just so that you understand the, the, the background where I come from, I have never seen a golf course in my life, <laughs> right? And so we're in the middle of uh, the mountains in Utah and, and there's this super gra- green grass and it's yeah. just beautifully landscaped. And I was mm-hmm. just blown away on how Americans have just this golf course. Right? I had seen it on TV, but I was just amazed by being there. Yeah. And as we're golfing, um, I started, that was the first time that I understood that for business people, golfing is not just a sport, but it's, it's a way of doing business, but it's also a, a way of uh, relaxation and getting away. I didn't know that, right? So I, I go out uh, golfing with this gentleman, and as we're golfing, he's just pretty much telling me his life story. Right? Every time we stop, he will give me a couple nuggets of what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was aware that I couldn't understand half of the stuff he was talking about, <laughs> right? Um, the house that we lived in was about a... Six, seven thousand square foot home in the mountains of Utah. Beautiful house. I don't know what the value is. Probably a couple million dollars. Beautiful house. Seven bedrooms, seven bathrooms. I thought that was the nicest home I'd seen up to my up to that point in my yeah. life. And while we're golfing, he looked at me and he said, "You know what? We had a very rough year last year in business." I was like, "Well, I'm sorry to hear that." He's like, "Yeah, we only made like fifteen million." I was like, what doesn't sound too bad to me if you tell me, right? <laughs> so then I look at him and really genuinely I ask him, I'm like, well, is that bad? It sounds like it's really good. He's like, well, it's kind of bad because I really wanted to get a new house. 
And I was like, why would you want a new house? You have the best house that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and he said, well, I just want a bigger house. In my mind, couldn't understand that a guy that has a big, beautiful house wanted a big house and a new car. And at first I was like, well, this guy is super materialistic. But over time, he taught me that the purpose of being an entrepreneur is just always make progress. Right? And sometimes it takes the shape of growing your brain or growing your bank account or getting a different house. But he was not content staying in the same place. He was always wanting to move forward. And it took me a very long time to understand living with them and interacting with him yeah. that an entrepreneur never stays in the same place. They understand that if they stop, they're staying behind. So as they keep moving, they keep growing and they keep, you know, and, and that was a very hard concept for me to digest when I first met this gentleman. But over time, I understood, yeah, like life is all about getting more, right? So fast forward four or five years when I was doing door-to-door sales, uh, I, that principle started to become more real for me because my pay was based on every single day's production. Yeah. And some days were better than others. So the days that I was doing good, I had to capitalize on that and make up for the bad days. So I could never be um, in a mindset of, well, if I want three deals today, that's all I want. I always had to be seeking for the next deal, right? So it started over my 10 years doing door-to-door sales, started to develop this desire of doing more and, and going for the next deal and always chasing something, which then I realized when I was in college that if I would have pursued a, a nine-to-five job, that's not possible, right? When you have a job, that's your job, clock in, clock out, and that's about it, right? But when you're an entrepreneur, you every single day you have to be moving. You cannot just sit still, otherwise you start dying. And uh, I, I think that's where a lot of the entrepreneurial um, idea, which I didn't comprehend at the time, right. started to creep in and, and I started to understand it little by little. That's a great story. Yeah, it's a funny story. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes I look back and uh, I just forget how, how drastic of a change of life I've had since I moved here. For sure. Uh, and the more I, I get to interact and rub shoulders with big entrepreneurs, with people that this is just their everyday life, Yeah. sometimes it's harder for me to remember the... Uh, the years before this that I was just not used to that, right? So it, it takes me sometimes, uh, you know, uh, a couple of moments to realize that there's been big changes that have happened in my life since I decided to follow the, the entrepreneurial journey, right? So. And uh, how do your parents feel about you being an entrepreneur? Are they supportive? They are supportive. It's, that's an interesting uh, uh, question. My parents... I'm glad this is recorded in English, so most of my family can understand this. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story, right? So my family, from grandparents to uncles and aunts, and my, uh, my both of my parents and all of my cousins, ninety percent of them are teachers. Ninety percent have a master's degree, and about twenty uh, percent of them have a PhD, right? So education is super important. But every time I, I, I just said it, and it just kind of set an alert in my brain, education is not important. A diploma, a piece of paper is very important to them, not education. So my parents still struggle with the fact that I don't have more pieces of paper hanging from my wall. And as I talk to them, I realize that the knowledge and my ability to think certain topics has increased dramatically. Still, they're saying, hey, well, so when are you going back to school to get your master's? <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Well, you know, if you want a good future, you got to get your master's. And I was like, no, actually, if I go to get a master's, my future is not going to be very good. At least one of my life, right? So 
they're supportive. They're proud of me. Uh, I built a good life around me, and I made good decisions, and I have good people around me that they're happy and they're satisfied. But there's always this little piece of them that they're teachers, right? So they want me to go back to school. They're uh, they're part of that cult of of teachers that they just <laughs> want to keep you in the classroom. So. They're happy, they're proud, they're supportive, but uh, every chance they get, they remind me that I, I should go back and get a master's and a PhD, which, right. which I don't think is going to happen. So it sounds like you were super successful in sales all the while you're going to school. So you're going to school and then you're doing Correct. sales in the summer and had obvious success to continue to do it for a long period of time and then to be given the opportunity to become a partner with a sales company. Correct. Right. So talk to us about how that partnership opportunity came about. But that, um, the business model of, of that pest control company is based on, on promoting and growing people, right? That's, that's one of the motivators for people like me to have a, such a long career doing, doing a top job, yeah. right? But very few people last 10 years knocking doors, right. right? Most of them, they do one or two years and then peace out. Yeah. Right? So, but one of the motivators was the ability to use a system that was already created to create my own, my own business, right? Uh, essentially. So one of the, the initial partners that they recruited is one of my best friends. So he's the one that pulled me in and said, hey, well, come get a job with us. And, and as I saw him grow into a very successful position and, and build a great life around him and his family, I just wanted to model my life after his. So I said, well, if that's what you're doing, I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Uh, later on, I realized that my way of thinking and my creativity in my high levels of energy and my leadership, uh, you know, had enough for me to go and do my own thing, that I did not have to be under somebody else's system or structure. However, I do give a lot of the credit uh, from what I built for my business to my experience with this company. Right. For sure. 100%. You learn the systems. Oh, I, I, gosh, if I will sit here and tell you all I learned, I mean, we'll need a, a year of interview. <laughs> that was your master's tell. degree. Exactly. That's yeah. what I got. They just didn't and give me a diploma that it. I can show you, my parents, right? You got paid for and it. And I got paid for it really well. So, no, I, I learned very key lessons in my life that definitely helped me on a daily basis. Uh I mean, I have nothing but love and respect and, and always a lot of gratitude for that company. They extended a hand, an opportunity. They uh, babysat me when I was uh, not the best person. They were patient with me when I wasn't the best employee or the best team member. Mm -hmm. And they always offered an opportunity for me to, to do my very best. And, and for that, I will always be very grateful for it. Uh, I pride myself in saying, hey, what, what you guys did works. You know, you did develop people. Fortunately, for some people, unfortunately, I developed a little bit past their system to where I had to go and create my own. But I think it was it was mutually beneficial for, mm -hmm. for us while I was there. Uh, we have a mutual respect. I talked to at least one of them in the company probably on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, my best friends are there. So yeah. I spent a decade with them. So they're, they're good friends. Kudos to that company for developing you as a person. I, I love what you said that they developed me as a person. They gave Correct. me those those tools and uh, and kudos to that one of the fears that entrepreneurs might have is if i give my people too much access to my Correct. systems that they'll leave and they'll create their own business and uh, there's a quote out there and i'm not i'm going to butcher it i don't remember it word for word but you know the only thing worse than you growing your people and having them leave is you not growing your people and having them stay exactly right? it's 100 percent and, and uh, gosh, um, that was such a special thing for me to join a business back in 2011 where I think the revenue for the company was 
well under a million. I mean, they were doing, I think, like six, $700,000 a year. And by the time I left, it was a $47 million company. Wow. Right? And be a part of uh, their growth and their pains and their... Because I, I also, now that I'm a business owner, I understand that some of their decisions impacted me positively and negatively. And back in the day, it was so harsh and I couldn't forgive some of the mistakes they made as a business. Yeah. Uh, and then when things were good, I was very slow to give them credit and thank them for the great things they were doing for me and the other employees. And now that I'm on the on the other side of the <laughs> table, I'm like, in fact, back in January, I made a trip to Utah where the headquarters are at and I met with the CEO and founder. His name is Andrew and I, and I just sat down and almost in tears, I told Andrew, I was like, dude, I, I get it now. I get it. And he looked at me, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, I just, for 10 years, I didn't get it. And now I get it. And, and that was such an emotional thing because at some point I was so ungrateful and I was so unforgiving and I was so harsh to judge the system that I was a part of. Um, and I was so selfish, right? I thought the world revolved around me. And, and now that I'm a business owner, I understand that the company has so many moving pieces and that it's nearly, I think not nearly, it's definitely impossible to make everybody happy at the level that they expected. And gosh, I don't even know how that guy survives He's nice, you know, he has to make decisions that affect hundreds of people every single day. And, and I'm sure he knows that some of those decisions will affect some more than others. And, and those are tough decisions. So, yeah, kudos. I will always give kudos to uh, the company's Edge Pest Control. They were just so good to me. Them, cool. And then my mentor uh, within the company, my friend Hector, who paid a particular interest in developing me. I mean, for 10 years, that guy just took me under his wing. And one step at a time, he showed me how to do it, which, you know, I will forever be grateful for that. Yeah. No, I can totally relate to a, the second you have your own employees. The first thing I do is go apologize to all your old bosses because you never understand <laughs> yes. what it's like until you're actually in that position. And, yeah. and there's so, like you said, so many moving parts. And as an employee, without having that experience, you have no idea what it's like to, to have to handle all that. Um, going back to, to just sales in general, because you had mentioned that originally you wanted a white collar job. Um, was that still the plan when you were doing sales? Was it just a summer thing? Or was there another shift where you where you started leaning towards the sales side of things? Or why did you decide to, so, to go into so my sales? First, um, my first four years working for this company, mm -hmm. which I was doing just summer work with them, right? It was a seasonal work. Right. I was going to school and I, the, the idea was just to go and, and get a job. Yeah. So my last year in college, I was required to do an internship, which I did it with a very large... Uh, human resources uh, firm out of Salt Lake City. And it was a great experience. And the biggest takeaway uh, that I got out of that experience, and I was there with them for about six months, was that I hated it. That was the biggest takeaway. I was like, gosh, I cannot see myself doing this. And all of my friends who were not looking to pursue entrepreneurship, they were so jealous of me. They would tell me every day, gosh, you have such a cool job. You, you work for such a cool company. Your position is so, I mean, they loved it. And every day I cannot tell you how hard it was for me to cross those doors. I could not get myself into that building. It was so hard. I couldn't, I just couldn't stand the fact that I had to sit down for eight hours a day. And that they told me what time was my break. And that they told me that, uh, you know, I couldn't work faster because no need to rush a project. I mean, the project is, is designed to last four months. So you're not supposed to finish it in two. <laughs> and, and to me it was like well what do you mean you're telling me not to do better not to excel not to grow more so that's when I when I said this is just not for me 
And I remember I quit the job. I had a one-year contract with them. And I went back and I apologized. And I was like, sorry, guys, but this is not going to work out for me. I left that office in Salt Lake City and I drove about 45 minutes to go to the headquarters of the pest control company. And I told Andrew, the owner, dude, what do you want me to do? I'm here. I'm yours. Like, I, I, I hate it there. Whatever you want. You want me to scrub the toilets? You want me to sell pest control? You want me to spray houses and kill the bugs? You want me to be your secretary? Whatever you want, but I just don't want to be there. And uh, that's when they say, well, okay, well, we'll help you become a good leader and a good manager. And that's where a different level of learning and of career took off for me. And I was going to ask, because you said there's a couple people that kind of took you under their wing and really helped you develop and grow. And I was going to ask like what it was that they saw in you. But it sounds like it probably had something to do with you just going to them and, and just giving them your all and saying that you you were willing to do whatever they wanted to do. And they probably saw a, a, a certain drive in you that they wanted to continue to develop you. Yeah, I think so. My 10 years working for that company, I worked under the direction of my friend. So Hector is actually from the same hometown as me. He came to the U.S. about two years before me. So he has, his whole life, he's been two years ahead of me. Yeah. In both, he was born two years ahead of me. But then in everything he's done, he's been right, right two years ahead of me, yeah. right? Um, he's two years of leadership ahead of me. He's two years of sales ahead of me. And a lot of lessons of leadership, he's, I mean, 10 years ahead of me, right? So I owe almost everything positive that has happened to me in the last 10 years to Hector. Hector, Hector, the bug inspector, right? So this guy was, um, he was just so critical for me because he was patient. He, and he signed me a lot of things that I did not see in myself um, back in the day, right? So um, not only did he treat me as a member of his team, as one of his employees, as one of his reps, as one of the managers he was supposed to, uh, to uh, you know, oversee, but then over time he became my brother, right? He just looked after me and I remember... Um, when I decided to leave that company, I had been thinking about it for about a week. And one morning I got out of the shower and I told my wife, I'm done. That's it, I'm gonna quit today. She's like, what? <laughs> and right when I said that, I got in my car and left. And I walked in the doors of the company and I told Hector, hey dude, just so you know, I'm quitting today. And I remember for a second, as I'm saying that, I was expecting a very like explosive reaction from yeah. him. And he smiled, he gave me a hug, and he's like, dude, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> and I was like, that's my guy right there. Like that's... Mm -hmm. That's a true leader right there. He knows that I have outgrown my position here. And gosh, ever since that moment, it's been nothing but support. Although like me leaving him or his unit of work in the company, it definitely made his work harder. Like I was a big relief for him, right? right. I was his right hand guy. For sure. <laughs> and he was like, dude, I'm happy. Go, go do your thing. If you think that's the best thing for you, I think you're ready. Like you got my full support. And there's not a week that goes by that he doesn't check in with me and says, hey, how's everything going? You need anything from me? Cool. Right. So, yeah, it was just a weird transition for me trying to be go to school and trying to get a degree to have a white collar job and then just kind of living it. And it literally was in one week. If you're looking to grow your business, then you need to check out Diamond Arrow Digital Marketing. Diamond Arrow is a full-service digital marketing agency that can help you with all of your business's marketing needs. Their services include SEO, local search marketing, mobile phone marketing, website development, and more. Kelly and her team know what it takes to get your business in the view of potential customers who are searching locally for your goods and services. Diamond Arrow has helped businesses double and even triple their sales in as quick as six months. If you're just starting out, Diamond Arrow can help you begin your strategic digital marketing plan. For those of you with years of experience, Diamond Arrow can help you boost sales and get to that next level. 
No matter what stage of business you're in, Diamond Arrow is the missing puzzle piece to your small business. At Diamond Arrow Digital Marketing, we are your marketing department. You can give them a call at 480-712-3320 or visit them online for a free instant ranking report at digitalmarketinggilbertaz.com. Again, that's 480-712-3320 and digitalmarketinggilbertaz.com. Wow. And so now let's talk about the process of you, you know, making that decision to quit and then come down here to Arizona, you said. Correct. And, and then you, you waited a while until you actually started the business, I think I remember you saying. or was So it- I, um, I left, gosh, let me think the dates very well. I left the, co- the pest control company of either October or November of 2018. Okay. Because I care so much not only for the people there, but for the business. I take pride by saying I build that company too. I put 10 years of my life yeah. and my passion and my hard work to build that business. So I take a lot of pride in that. I love driving by it and seeing that big building they have. I love it, right? So I talked to them and I said, hey, um, after this upcoming summer, I won't be coming back. And between now and the upcoming summer, you're going to find that I'll be very distracted because I'm trying to set things up for me. Giving you almost an eight-month heads up so you can prepare. If you want to hire a new manager to take my position, I'm happy to train him. Like, I don't want to leave you guys high and dry. So we had a lot of time to prepare. So that last, in 2019, summer of 2019, I did my last summer of sales. So I went out, I went to Kansas City. I was assisting, managing one of the uh, branches there. And we just parted ways in a really nice way. Um, by the time I gave him the notice that I was leaving in the, the end of the following summer, I started developing the, my business plan. Because I had no clue how cleaning was done. I don't know why I chose... I still can't really remember why I chose cleaning. Yeah, I was going to ask if there was like a specific no. reason you chose it. No. Over I, like pest control since you had so much experience yeah. in it. Yeah, well pest control... We, um, so my wife and I, I married a beautiful girl from uh, Queen Creek. So once we started having kids, she wanted to be a little closer to family. It's always nice okay. to have the, the family support. So uh-huh. when we got married, I promised her that eventually I will, I will bring her back home. So I was like, you know what, this is the time. Since we're in the middle of a lot of changes, let's throw that change in the middle of it and <laughs> we'll be easier to deal with it, yeah. right? So I quit my job. We relocated here. We we got us a home in Queen Creek and um, I pretty much started creating a, a business plan for the cleaning company and and a lot of it had to do with the experience I have from my marketing background uh, and then what I learned in from the service industry doing pest control. Yeah. Um, I did a small little market research. I actually went out with a notebook and I went door to door and I started asking people. I asked about 200 people what services they were paying for and how much were they paying for each service. Wow. And cleaning came out to be the top. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, cool, maybe that's what I need to be at. Yeah. And then the more research I did, I, I realized that the competition in the cleaning space is extremely weak. You don't have very strong players. Um, so I said, well, it seems like I could dominate there. So... That's why I decided I decided to go into cleaning. Cool. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. I think. So uh, I love what you shared about the market research, literally just going door to door. What else was part of your business plan and what else did you do to prepare yourself and uh, what went into getting the business started before opening day? So uh, when I went doing my market research, um, I started to notice that most people had the same thing in common. They said that their cleaners were unreliable, they were inconsistent, and they were extremely archaic. They did not have 
any pieces of technology, they have not innovated. I mean, people have been scrubbing toilets the same way for the last five million years. <laughs> well, the dinosaurs used to clean toilets the same way we do, right? So really, there hasn't, there hasn't been a whole lot of innovation in the space. So then me being a, uh, I like to think of myself as a creative person, I went back and I said, okay, why can we innovate in the cleaning space? And I literally could not find anything that we can innovate. You gotta scrub a toilet, period. I wish I can bring a drone to do it. It's not gonna happen. You gotta <laughs> scrub it, right? So then what I realized, I started, then I went from the market research to now the, uh, the industry research. So I started looking into the, uh, the cleaning companies and I realized that there is pretty much three segments of cleaning companies or, three, or, or cleaning providers, right? You have, it's about a 10% of the industry. It's what I call the top dogs, your Molly Maids, your Mary Maids, two maids and a mop, uh, cleaning authority, all of your franchises nationwide, right? Yeah. Those are billion dollar companies. I can dream to be like them, but whatever, right? So they take about 10% of the market. Okay. Then you have about, gosh, 80 to 85% of the market, which is what I call uh, the Marias, the one-off lady. Maria cleans my house and my sister's house, and that's all she does, right? So these are, that's the most dominant piece of the, of the industry. Uh-huh. Um, it's the hardest to compete with because they develop relationships. For Nobody sure. has a relationship with Molly Mates. Everybody has a relationship with Maria. Yep. And then you have this critical piece of the industry, which is about 5%, which is companies like mine. It's a company that we're big enough that we can compete with a branch of a franchise, but we're not a franchise. We're definitely more reliable, more established, and we have a greater servicing capacity than Maria, but we don't have the resources and the cash flow of a big franchise, right? And the problem with us is that these companies, they're swimming against the current. I call us all, we're salmons. We're just going against the current, because if we don't keep pushing to try to become like uh, Molly Maids, Mary Maids, we're gonna die. Because everything, the market conspired against us, because we're not regarded as Molly Maids, but then we're, treated like Maria. Hmm. We're expected to be behaving like Maria because we're not Molly Maids. So the market, my customers are very harsh with us, right? We don't have the freedom that Molly Maids has and we're judged like Maria, but we're not, I mean, we've, we, we're neither one, right? So it's, we're in a segment to where we have to be currently growing and, and numbers are extremely important to us. And, and uh, yeah, that's what we've done. So when I, when I got that, um, I started then going after everybody that was in my segment. I wanted to be in that 5%. And I looked at pretty much my top 20 competitors in the area. And I found the number one weakness. And it happened to be my number one strength, which is marketing and managing, right? So our business at Zebra Cleaning, it's built on a platform of marketing. Most cleaning companies are built on a platform of cleaning. So we're not cleaners, we're marketers. That's the difference. This was a a company that from inception was made to grow fast, to move fast, to get people talking about us, to get people looking at us, to get people wanting to know what we're up to, right? Nobody really comes to us for the cleaning. Cleaning is just a reason to get to know us. That's, we need an excuse to talk to customers. Mm -hmm. And we found the cleaning, that's what we do, but, yeah, so that's why we've been so successful and we've been able to grow. You know, we're right now the fastest growing cleaning company in Arizona and uh, there's no end in sight. Like we, it's just, I mean, I just checked my email before I walked into this meeting and just today we had 27 uh, leads coming in. Wow. 
and I don't do any marketing anymore. So as you know, I was and it's midday, right? So we're at 27 leads. We'll probably close with 35, 40 on the day, and people just coming to us. And that's because the business was built on a marketing, branding, and in a sales platform. Yeah. Which no cleaning company between California and New York is doing. Wow. Dive dive into that. Dive into as much as you're willing to share your oh, your marketing strategy, what your branding has been, um, and what has led to so much growth and success so quickly. Well, I went back and uh, like you asked, okay, so what is it that uh, in my market research, I realized that there's only so much I can innovate when it comes to mopping a floor. I mean, I really wish I could find a better way of making your bed, but making a bed is just the same way. It, it really, it just, I can't, right? So if I focus on the cleaning piece of the business, I was just going to be just like everybody else. So what I did is I picked apart everything that revolves around the business and I made a very long list. We looked at the uh, cleaning rags that we use, the spray bottles that my cleaners use, the vehicles they drive, the uniforms they wear, the business cards that we drop off at customers' houses, uh, our social media platforms, uh, their customer interaction, everything. So what I did is I picked it apart and um, then I said, okay, we need to be the best at everything outside cleaning. Because if I'm competing with cleaning, the reality, as much as I hate to admit this, is Maria that has been doing this for 37 years, she's definitely better than me. Definitely. As much as I, I mean, I can go to Harvard and get me a PhD in cleaning, but Maria that has been doing it for 37 years, she's going to be better yeah. than me. Right? A company, I mean, there's a competitors of mine that are outstanding. They're just so good at the cleaning piece. Unfortunately, nobody knows who they are. I do have that advantage. We're really good at what we do. We're really, I mean, it's cleaning. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a master in cleaning. You just got to clean, right? Right, right? So it's cleaning. We can do it and we do it really well. Our customers love it. But our focus has always been everything that surrounds cleaning. So we, we looked at the best products, the best uh, tools, the best. I mean, I, I go as, as deep as into the caddies that the girls use to go into your house. They're branded. We say zebra cleaning. So by the time my, my, my team shows up to your house, you know that we're different. We're not Maria. In fact, we're not Molly Mates. We're better than that. Our vehicles are better. Our team's uniforms are better. Uh, the way we treat our employees, the way we pay them, we treat them like humans, not like cleaners. Uh, we like to, uh, with all of them, we have a plan, an exit plan for them. So a cleaner should not be cleaning more than a year. If a cleaner is with me for a year, there's something wrong with them. Hmm. And there's something wrong with me because I didn't develop them to stop cleaning. So we all, nobody can be working with us for more than a year. So they all have an exit plan. They come, they work, they better themselves, which means they better zebra. So zebra races and grows, and then they gotta go and do something better. So those little things have helped us grow tremendously and uh, get people to stay. So we have a very low turnover. Most people stay with us. I try to kick them out and they don't wanna leave. Uh, so now we're in a, in a really fun stage to where we're trying to grow different branches, different offices. So that those cleaners that have gained so much experience now they can become leaders within our business. So yeah, that's I, I guess that's uh, if you want to call it that's the secret sauce at Zebra. Yeah, I was gonna ask you what you're doing to be like Hector, and it sounds like you're doing this with every one of your yeah. employees. Uh, you're what Hector did for you and mentoring you and, and giving you possibility. You're doing for every one of those. I love that. Exactly. I love that. Is that a one-on-one -on -one relationship that you have? Do you have a, a plan? Do you have? Are they on a track? Is it 
Is it educational? Or like, talk to us a little bit about that mentoring process for your employees. What exits them out of Zebra? My, my biggest weakness in the business, it's my strength. So I'm really good with people. And I have a tender heart um, with, uh, with the underdogs. I've always considered myself an underdog. And I have a very tender heart for that person that has personal problems, that has, I mean, some of the people that apply to our jobs, they said, hey, I have an addiction problem, which most employers will say, well, yeah, not hired. Yeah, stay away from like, that, right? Sweet, come on in. Let's see what we can do to help you out, yeah. right? And many times, uh, it's, it backfired. It didn't work out really well for me. But I have, that's a weakness of mine. Right. So right now we have a, a, a system to where um, we have some managers and some supervisors that they interact with the cleaners on a daily basis. So I, on a weekly basis, I, I train my managers and supervisors and then they turn around and then they do the same with our teams. And we do have a little chart of the progress of uh, how our team members are evolving. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a secret uh, blacklist of those that are not evolving. And... Uh, we pretty much give them an ultimatum. Either you're growing or, or, or you don't belong here. And now it's very well known that if you're a, a part of the of the Zebra clan, you gotta be moving. You gotta yeah. be evolving, you gotta be growing, or you won't last very long. Right. And the nice thing is that as we created that culture, even the employees know, like we have employees quit. They're like, hey, I, I don't fit in here. Like you guys want us to be better and I'm not, that's not my, I just want a job, pay me my money, and I want to go home. For sure. And that doesn't fly with us. Yeah. We want. We we have a conversation with all of our cleaners, and we tell them that cleaning is just a stepping stone. So if you're taking cleaning as a final destination, Zebra is not the place for you. This should be a stepping stone. If you're seeing this as my job, and we'll see what comes next, that we're not interested in having you. I don't care how good you are at cleaning. We get a lot of great candidates with cleaning experience that we don't take. Because they, they will not help the, mo- the company move and grow. Yeah. So what we're doing is talking to them and say, what is it that you want? I mean, I just had a conversation with one of our uh, new hires. And she wants to be a veterinarian. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I, I love it. You know, you have a, a greater. So that means that every toilet you scrub, every floor you clean, every shelf you dust has a lot more meaning. It gets you closer to be able to care for animals that seems like you love. Yeah. And then she looked at me and she's like, wow, I never looked at it that way. I thought I was just getting money to pay for college. And I was like, no, no, not really. Because every house you clean gets you closer to obtaining the knowledge to save a cow. Right? Or every toilet, every happy customer, it just gets you closer to you having the ability to, you know, save a kid's pet. And she looked at me and almost with tears said, God, I never, I've never seen it that way. And that's when I know, okay, boom, she gets it. She is on, a, on the right track to make the most out of her employment with us. Yeah, right. To yeah. adding a lot of good energy mm-hmm. and encouragement and growth uh, to our culture. And hopefully sooner rather than later, moving on to the next thing. And we'll be super happy for that. I mean, one of the best employees, she worked with us for about six months. She came to us and she said, hey, I just got offered a management position somewhere else and I'm going to leave. We threw her a goodbye party. We were just so happy that she did not just move to another entry-level job, but she moved to a management job. Yeah. yeah. And I take a lot of credit for that. I'm like, yeah, you did that with us. You weren't a leader before. Now you're a leader. <laughs> Go grow. Awesome, right? So that's what Zebra is all about. That's why people love working with Zebra. That's why we love what we do. That's why we don't care cleaning dirty toilets because we're just helping people grow and develop. Makes sense. 
Awesome. Awesome. One of the challenges in the service industry, and I don't know what your <clears throat> pay model is, if you pay your people by the hour, but uh, depending on the model, um, you could encourage people to cut corners. You can encourage your employees to cut corners and get through a job quicker so they can get through more jobs, etc. What are some ways that you motivate your cleaners to be excellent, to do the very best? They might not be the best cleaner, but with that mindset of excellence, they're not going to leave a house uh, halfway done. Like, how, how do you motivate your, your cleaners in that way? So at Zebra, um, one of the most important pieces when you come to our office, which is nothing fancy, uh, we have two big posters right on the wall, and that's our, um, our core values. We have them in English and then in Spanish, because a lot of our uh, employee demographic is Hispanic, right? Um, and those core values are non-negotiable, and that's the most important piece to it. I don't care if you are the Elon Musk of cleaning. I don't want you with us if you cannot live our core values. Now, those core values are designed to be beneficial to them even more outside of work than inside the workplace. So what we learn is that, uh, number one, when it comes, because you brought up uh, the compensation, right? Right. I've learned over my years that compensation has little to no motivation. Correct. Uh, number two, I learned that if I use money to motivate them to do their job well, I'm just creating a really bad addict. I'm feeding an addiction, right? And an addict eventually gets out of control, right? So what, I, what we did is using our core values, we now get them, I call it in my mind, it's not that we have it set up, but we get them through Zebra University. So Zebra University is pretty much get them to master our seven core values. I understand that if they can, but then we help them master those core values, not at the workplace, we get them to change, to do it at home. Hmm. Because if they can do it on a daily basis at their home, they're gonna do it at work, right? So some of our core values include teamwork, integrity, accountability, hard work, my favorite, which is ambition, respect and gratitude if i teach them to just do it at work people naturally our psychology says when you walk into work you have your work face on but when you get to home you just kind of you are you yeah right so if you are a lazy person if you don't like to take care of yourself when you get to your house you're that if at work they make you look good and take care of yourself that's a fake you so i i learned that if i push them to do the core values at the business, I'm going to create not only a lot of uh, resistance from them, but also I'm going to make it really hard for them because they have to be turning on and off the core value switch every time they cross the doors of the office. So what we did is we're trying to implement the core values at home, so that's who they are. If I can get them to embrace those core values as an individual, when they come to work, that's who they are. I don't have to enforce them. I don't have to motivate them. I don't have to be teaching them because that's who they are, mm -hmm. right? So pretty much my in my brain, what we call Zebra University, it's it's designed to help them better themselves, improve yeah. their, themselves, love themselves, respect themselves, learn how to play as a team member. And if they do that, when they walk in to work, they're at home. So no longer is a difference between being at home and being at work, they're home wherever they go. Make sense? So yeah. And so is there, I know, is there anything that they're actually doing with Zebra University? Like, are there actionable steps that they're taking? Or is it you just telling them, hey, like, this is what yeah. you need to do? Yeah, and, and like I said, the, the Zebra University concept is as we grow, I do want to have a, a program set up. For sure. But then I'm also very hesitant because the second I introduce it as a program, that's a program from work. So what we do is I 
try to implement it in my own terms, in a very individual basis with my leaders, my leaders with their leaders, and the leaders with the team members. Mm-hmm. Waterfall. Correct. The second I introduce, hey, well, we have this program at the business that is designed for you to change, human psychology says, work. That's work, sure, I'll do it at work, but don't ask me to do that at home. But when I sit down one-on-one, when we, we have a monthly team activity, and that team activity is designed for me and my management team to serve our team members. We go have fun with them, we go to Top Golf, we do a custom party in Halloween, we do a, a Christmas party. Uh, last month we did a spa day, so we took all the girls to get manicures and pedicures, and we brought them mimosas and champagne, and they loved it, right? And that day our goal is to just, we're treating them. They're, they're the, the start of the show, yeah. right? But we take those opportunities to understand who they truly are. Because at work, everybody has a game phase on. But when you get them almost with their guard down, we can fully understand who they are and what their you know, priorities are, what's important to them. And using our core values, then we try to address that individual to get them to change, once again, not at work, but at home. If that person can become a better person for themselves, they will have no problem being a better person for yeah. the team. If I force them to be a better person for the team, I have no guarantee, right? Because that once again, they're putting a game face on. So we've been able to, to accomplish that with uh, multiple of our employees. Many of them are work in progress. Some of them, we've been having a hard time. I mean, we're, we're trying to figure out exactly the, the right way of doing it. Yeah. But uh, going back to the way Hector trained me, Hector never sat down and said, okay, I have this checklist to, uh, to develop you. Because then at that point, I would have known that it was work. But he said, hey, uh, this Sunday, you want to come over for dinner to my house? And it was those conversations after dinner or those days when he asked me, hey, can you come and help me shovel some snow from a driveway? It was those moments where the true leadership came up and where I was really inspired to say, hey, I want to be like that guy. right? I want to follow him. I'll do whatever he tells me to do because I want to be just like him. It was rarely uh, at his desk or in an office or in the workplace. So we're trying to do that with our team members. We mm-hmm. try to get a little bit more close and personal with them. We create activities. We create opportunities for them to get together. Uh, I sometimes give in, without me having to be involved, I give them a little budget so that the girls can go out on their own without me <laughs> and have dinner and just enjoy themselves and learn to work as a team, learn that they, they are a, they're a family, right? So we try to encourage these core values outside the workplace. I love that. So not only have you got your master's degree <laughs> in work experience, you're an accredited institution. Well, I, I hope so. We really <laughs> hope that that's Giving out diplomas of life <laughs> and leadership to all your employees, man. Your parents should be proud. I, I you hope so. You them. I hope. I just need a piece of paper, though. I need to find... You need to bring me a little listen, uh, certificate. Listen, you're a marketer. You can make it. Yeah. I know. Well, Microsoft we'll Word, you can make something. No, and, and it's just... I mean... That piece of it, when I look back, um, that's what's incredible, right? The way of thinking of an entrepreneur versus a, what we just call a non-entrepreneur, so different. Mm-hmm. It is very different, right? Like right now I'm making decisions in my life based out of love. I just want to help people. I know that if I help people, I will always be taking care of myself. When my parents, they make decisions out of fear. They say, if you don't have a degree, you won't get a, de- you won't get a job right and our way of living is very different right i do everything because i love it like every morning when i wake up to go to work i'm excited for that day i love putting on my uniform and going to see my team 
I love, now that I'm involved in the solar industry, I love going to knock doors in 100 degree weather, right? My parents, they said, gosh, I have to go to work because if not, they'll fire me and I'll lose my medical benefits. Nothing wrong, right? I know there is 99, I don't know, 90 plus percent of, of, of the population lives like that. Right. But I don't like living like that. Yeah. I choose to, to say, well, I want to do this because I love it. I love it. And that's why when things get hard, it's a lot easier to deal with them. And they're not so heavy on me. And when there's an opportunity to do good, I'm very prompt to take that opportunity. So, yeah. It, a bit of a contrast on, on the way I grew up and, and, and who I shape up to be years later on. Yeah. And, and you've taken it even a step further because you talk about, you know, entrepreneur mindset versus non-entrepreneur mindset. And there's plenty of entrepreneurs that, you know, their focus is just growing their business. Um, which, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're also focused on growing people and, and turning these people into better people than they were. So it's more about just the business, which you're excellent at doing as well. Um, but you're so focused on, on growing people as well. And that's an awesome thing to see. And like you mentioned, it, it sounds like it in turn helps grow the business. Correct. Um, as you talked about when these people feel motivated by their future, and that comes from working hard at their current job, then that in turn helps you and helps the business to grow and be successful. Correct. That's yeah, awesome. Well, I, I mean, I've come to know that people will never go out of, out of style, right? And, and they will always be trending. And, uh, and if I can just focus on people, gosh, today I'm doing cleaning. I don't know what I'll be doing tomorrow. I may be doing something different. Yeah. But as long as my focus is always on people, I think we'll always be fine. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing. It helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.